Hi, and welcome to another episode of Go With Nugget for Parents. I'm your co-host, Veronique, and I'm filling in for Rinyana, who's on maternity leave with the newest member of the Nugget family. In today's episode, we're heading to Stockholm, Sweden, one of the most family-friendly cities in the world. We're talking with local mom, Emily Chang, about her favorite places in the city. We'll hear about reindeer, a book train, farm-to-fork food, and a modern art museum on an island in the Stockholm archipelago. We'll also get the inside scoop on Swedish coffee culture, Fika. And I can tell you already, not only is Stockholm a great place to live, it is also an amazing place to visit. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave us a review so we can reach more parents who love to travel. Before we dive into today's episode, I also wanted to let all our listeners know that in addition to this show, we also have a travel podcast for kids. It's called Go With Nugget for Kids. Each episode, we hear firsthand from local kids about what it's like to live where they live and discover the common threads that connect us all. So... If you'd love for your kids to learn about different countries and cultures, check out the episode notes for a link to that show and subscribe. You and your kids will love it. Okay, now let's hear from Emily and find out why your family will want to visit Stockholm. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Go With Nugget. Hi, Ranjana. It's so nice to have you on the show and to talk about the Swedish capital, um, which I have never visited, but it's on, I mean, it's definitely in my like top list of places I want to take my kids. So um, before we start, could you give a little overview of um, you know who you are, how long you've been in Stockholm, and um how old your daughter is so people get a little sense of who you are, what you like, and then we can dive into why you love Stockholm. Sure. Well, thanks for having me here, first of all. It's very fun. So yeah, my name is Emily, and um, I have been living in Stockholm for 13 years now. I moved here in 2006, um, but I'm originally Canadian, so I was born and I grew up in, in Canada. And uh, eventually found myself in Stockholm. And uh, this is the city where I became a parent. So my perspective here is kind of interesting because I have been here long enough that I definitely feel like a local. But at the same time, you know, I think that I will always sort of have a bit of a gaze of, of a foreigner and of a, of a visitor to some extent. Um, and it's the city where I am continually exploring it as a parent so as well. So I'm a little bit in between um, a local and a tourist. Which is perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you have a lot, lots, I mean, we know this already since you're a Nugget contributor, but you have a lot of interesting insights and you guys, you really explore a lot, which I think is fantastic for your daughter because not only is she growing up in Sweden and learning Swedish and is exposed to culture, but you really are exploring the city as if you are a visitor, which is, it's incredible. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's fun to keep that perspective, you know, keep discovering because there's really so much. 
And before we dive into like specifics about Stockholm, can you summarize what is it that you love about Stockholm and, and also why you think it's, it's a great place for families to visit? The best way to put it is that I believe that all the things that make Stockholm a great place to live as a family also make it a great place to visit or travel with a family. And what that comes down to is really a whole cultural attitude, which is based around the concept that everyone has the right to have equal access to a good quality of life. So if you live here, that means access to education and healthcare and access to clean, pristine nature, for example. And uh, so I think all of those sort of fundamental concepts, which are rooted in the society here, make it an incredibly welcoming place for people to come to visit as travelers. So, for example, you know, the city is designed with the well-beings of families in mind. Um, it's clean, it's safe, everything works, things run on time. For example, transit is incredibly easy to access. And, you know, this concept of access to nature is so strong that it's actually a law that anyone is allowed to enjoy any outdoor space. So that means walking or even camping on any outdoor spaces, even private spaces, as long as you don't come within certain respectful distances from any homes or dwellings. But, you know, the fact that is that everyone, that the nature belongs to everyone. So this kind of overall perspective on the fact that everyone should have the right to enjoy this land and this country um, really makes it incredibly welcoming and easy and traveler friendly in the same way that it is incredibly family friendly uh, to be uh, a resident here. That sounds magical almost. Um, I mean, especially when I think about visiting a, t a city with kids, it's always nice to have, I mean, first of all, yes, like the accessibility is a, is a major issue. And living in New York City, unfortunately, experienced the polar opposite of that. Um, but you, yeah, like the access to, to nature is is so nice when you do a city visit because you, you have those moments where you can escape the busyness of the city and you give your kids some time to just decompress and play and um, so that they're ready for more sightseeing. Um, so why don't we um, talk really briefly about sort of the, the overview of Stockholm? Because it is a city that's very much, you know, characterized by water and islands. And so maybe you can just give a quick overview of like what are the major parts of the town that would be interesting to families visiting And then we can dive into the fun part as to what you recommend to first-time visiting families, what they don't want to miss, and how to experience it with their kids. Yeah, well, um, as you um, put it, Stockholm is uh, really characterized by this uh, presence of water. The city itself is a collection of islands. You really get this sense of space and 
fluidity everywhere, so to speak, because you're um, there's boats uh, floating by at almost anywhere at any point in the city, and from the center is uh, the old town, which is I would say, yeah, that's probably the core of the city. There are several large islands that surround it, so. The island, which is sort of directly just north of the old town, is uh, called Vasasnan. And that's kind of the business center, I would say. That's where all the high street shops are, department stores, and um, yeah, all your shopping needs, a lot of restaurants and hotels. It's kind of what you would find in any big city. Got it. Um, and then uh, sort of to the south of the old town is uh, Södermalm, which is actually means South Island. And that is much more residential, but is sort of known as the more sort of trendy, sort of hipster center of the city, where, um, again, there's lots of shops, shopping and restaurants, but also uh, sort of throughout the city on all of the islands, there are lots of parks and green spaces and playgrounds um, and residential buildings as well. And Södermalm is really well worth spending time in as well because it's really easy to walk on and there's um, not so much traffic. Um, so, so that's definitely of interest. And then just uh, also in the center of town is a um, very small island called Hrepsholmen, uh, which has um, the Museum of Modern Art and other, um, I think also the East Asian Museum and sort of several, the Architecture Museum and several other um, design centers. So that's really sort of a kind of cultural island, so to speak, with, um, yeah, again, lots of lovely green spaces and really, it's really tiny and easy to sort of get to and from there um, in the course of a day, um, mixed with other more city-centric activities. And then um, another really big island is called uh, Jurgården, which uh, translates to the animal garden, actually. <laughs> and there you find a lot of the attractions and big parks like Skansen, which I'm sure we'll talk about shortly. Um, but yes, um, for sure. many different museums are there. And essentially, the whole island is dedicated for parkland and cultural um, institutions. And um, it's fantastic because it's right in the center of town. So you can easily go there for a picnic as well as to go and see museums or just for a walk or a bike ride. And that's right in the center of town. Um, I've often, um, in my mind, I think of it as sort of the central park of Sweden or of Stockholm. <laughs> in, in some that's way. a nice, that's yeah. a nice comparison. It's, it's a, a central bit. park surrounded mm. by water. Yeah. Um, that's that's a great I think overview. So we now have a little bit of a layer of land. Um, so so let's dive into um, must do must see. So um, you know families that are thinking about going to Stockholm that have never been um, and they're traveling with kids and they want to you know obviously do things that the parents enjoy but also that the kids enjoy. And then as you alluded to at the beginning, I mean 
Sweden, I feel like Scandinavia in particular, they, I feel like they do a phenomenal job in actually incorporating activities that everyone in the family will enjoy. But what's on your list? What would you recommend for somebody visiting? Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with Wisconsin or do you want to start somewhere else? Yeah, we could start there. Um, yeah, there are definitely a few, I would say, must-sees for a first-time visitor. And I think Wisconsin is always at the top of any <laughs> um, Stockholm travel guide for good reason, because um, it is, I would say, in some ways, a sort of a microcosm of Swedish nature, culture, and society in, in general. It, it's sort of like your, your um, one-stop shop for getting an overview of, of uh, what Sweden was like historically as well as how it is um, today. And uh, Skansen is essentially an open-air living museum, I think is the way they describe it. Um, it's sort of part uh, historical time capsule, sort of part zoo for Nordic animals and part cultural center. And, um, you know, when I think of the term sort of open air living museum, I, I sort of have these uh, horrific memories of the types of places which uh, I grew up with in some small towns in Canada, which is, you know, quite contrived and you have people dressed up in historical costumes and, um, you know, really sort of dry and not that inspiring. But I have to say that Skansen is incredibly well executed in the sense that it has this very, very authentic feeling about it. So um, whether it's, um, for example, the, the zoo is more or less uh, focusing on Nordic animals. So there's animals sort of in their natural habitat. Uh, they have lots of open spaces and it's not zoo-like at all. It just more or less feels like you are kind of peeking into um, animals in their natural habitat. Um, when it comes to um, this more historical part of Skansen where they have essentially reconstructed um, Swedish villages and farmlands and um, townscapes from various points in history. You know, they have literally um, preserved um, actual historic buildings and they've staffed them with people who are, you know, dressed in period um, clothing and they are um, just participating in activities from different periods in time. So for example, um, at the bakery, they are baking sort of um, really traditional breads. And in the uh, blacksmith shop, they are actually um, working with metals or uh, blowing glass. And um, so you have people who are actually doing crafts and um, different activities um, and they are there to answer questions uh, but they're not acting you know so they're actually just in the moment and they are sort of demonstrating how things worked and how tools worked and um, you know so you're really almost yeah getting this very sort of authentic glimpse into a historical part of Sweden and 
Um, and you're welcome to interact if you want to, or just observe. And so it, it all feels very sort of natural and, um, it's done in this, um, extremely sort of respectful and authentic way, which, which I really love about it. That sounds great. I mean, especially for kids, it's not just, you know, here's an old building that used to be a bakery. No, you can actually smell it. You can see it. You can, sounds like you can even touch it. Um, and are they, when you said they're there to answer questions, um, can, I mean, if some, somebody who was not fluent in Swedish, are you able to ask questions in English? Do they, are they able to, to do that or yes. is it more yeah, awesome? That, that is one of the great things about Sweden in general is that um, the level of English knowledge is amazing. It's, it's truly impressive how fluent almost everyone is and certainly everyone working in the service industry and in sort of tourist destinations they all have extremely good knowledge of English so definitely that would not be a problem at all so it's very very conducive to um yeah to interaction yeah that that makes it that makes it easy because it does um, because and, nobody um, speaks Swedish. Outside yeah, no. Them, that's for sure. <laughs> um, well, and especially with kids, I feel like when at a certain age, when they're so curious and they have so many questions, it's nice for them to just blurt them out, right? And and go and and ask themselves. Um, exactly. Yeah. And and it sounds like it's it's a it's a pretty big space, right? Um, is this something where you you literally going to spend an entire day just wandering, exploring the different sections? Yes, I would say you could easily spend a whole day there. And there's really something for everyone. Uh, I think for smaller children, say under the ages of maybe eight or nine, there is actually a specific um, section called Lil Skansen, which means like little Skansen. And there they have like a small petting zoo and they have uh, playgrounds and um, they have lots of sort of interactive exhibitions about nature and about, um, yeah, different animals and their habitat. And uh, they occasionally have uh, performances and theater um, productions that happen, I think, Actually, uh, probably in the summertime, um, they have a daily schedule of of happenings for younger children. Um, And they even have, um, for example, pony rides and lots of things like that, which are really great for for smaller kids. And so you can go there with um, kids who are, you know, even, you know, two years old, and they'll be able to really get a lot out of it. So... um, yeah, so there's uh, a section for for the for the little ones, but then even for um, adults or visitors with older kids or teens, um, there are lots of um, different outdoor spaces to explore. And I think just um, the sheer beauty of the landscapes because they've tried to re- recreate different types of environments. So more sort of rural environments, um, more forested environments. And then um, there's also a sort of whole cultural aspect to it. So they regularly have um, performances, um, whether it's music or theater um, and, uh, you know, concerts. And if you happen to be there, 
visiting during any sort of holiday or celebration, they will always have um, some um, sort of organized events where you can really experience uh, the tradition in its fullest um, uh, expression. So, for example, if you if you go there at Christmas time, they will have a really huge Christmas market, or they have um, Lucia concerts happening. Um, or if you go there during midsummer, they have like really big sort of full um, midsummer traditional um, celebration happening with with the food and with the songs. And so they really kind of do it up um, to the max. So if you're actually there during one of the major Swedish holidays, it's really a great place to go and experience um, some of the, the key traditions. That sounds so nice. And and I guess that answers another question I had, and I know some of listeners would have too. This this place, you can really visit year-round. I mean, the weather is obviously the nicest in the summer, and the days are really long, so you can stay longer. But if you are coming in the fall or in the winter, it's it's still a place worth visiting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that is the beauty of it, is that it is open year-round, and there is definitely... Um, something um that's happening you know whether it's summer or fall or winter so i think the only thing is to um as i would say as a general tip is to always dress for the for the weather um because you are generally outdoors um the whole day uh there are indoor spaces and um there are you know lots of different um sort of indoor dining opportunities and things like that. But in general, you, you do have to be prepared to be outdoors. But for sure, um, they do cater for all four seasons. Um, so it's, and, it, and it's actually fun to go in different seasons because it's a different experience um, depending on, you know, what time of year you're there. Yeah, and I'm sure um, the crowds are also different that does it get very busy I mean I'm assuming if it's like midsummer and mm, it can yeah I mean I think in general it's it's busier I mean the whole city is busier in the summer because people tend to I would say shy away from the winter months and usually I mean in the summer is is generally when people have vacation time so definitely it will be busier in the summer but the thing is, is that it is such a big space that um, you never really struggle with crowds um, in any prohibitive way because there's there is so much to do and there's it's it's such a huge huge um, park space that uh, that you'll you'll have a good time even in peak season I would say. Okay, that 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 sounds that sounds like heavenly. Any any other tips for for families visiting Skansen in particular? No, I wouldn't say there's any um, specific tips except um, yeah, I would say you know to be prepared to be outdoors. Make sure you've you know you've got really great uh, walking <laughs> walking shoes on. But apart from that. Again, it's um, very much geared towards families, so it's it's stroller friendly. Um, I think that there are um, options. There's lots of cafes and different restaurants, but it also equally caters for um, you know self catering. If you wanted to bring a packed lunch, it's easy enough to do that type of thing as well. 
Um, but really just to give yourself enough time. I would say um, it's possible to, to do it in half a day and still get a lot out of it. But if you really want to explore it fully, then I would say you, you would need um, uh, the better part of a full, of a full day. Yeah. It, I mean, from everything I've seen, it, it sounds like something you, you don't want to rush through. You want to give your kids yeah. opportunity to just play mm-hmm. and, and, and soak it all in. Mm-hmm. Um, so while we're in that area, I mean, assuming you spend probably a full day exploring Wisconsin, what else is in this part of town? Um, cause you said it's, it's very much, there's like a lot of big entertainment spaces. Is there mm-hmm. anything else here that you, I know the, I think the Vasa Museum is in the same part too. It is. Yes. Um, yeah, I would say that's also a really great one to try to see because it's so unique. Um, and, uh, yeah, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, the Vasa Museum is, um, dedicated to feature a 17th century warship, which actually sunk on its maiden voyage. Um, I can't remember the exact reason for it, but essentially it literally left the harbor and then it sunk in the Stockholm Harbor, more or less. And it remained there for like 300 and some odd years and but i think because of um the nature of the the water and the 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 ground like the sludge that it was sitting in for these hundreds of years um the ship was actually preserved incredibly well uh, i think it i read somewhere that it had something to do with the fact that the harbor was actually really polluted and i think for that reason microorganisms actually couldn't um, destroy the wood as they otherwise would have. Um, So the benefit was that when they actually discovered that it was under there and they pulled it up, it was actually almost entirely intact. So what you have in this museum is essentially this massive ship and it's really um, visually, it's stunning. And I mean, it's huge for one thing, but just the amount of detail that is that they've managed to preserve and that is visible now is is really incredible. And just the story behind it, um, and also I think the way that they've actually designed the museum is um, really fascinating because it sort of takes you through the whole story of it, the history. Um, what happened. And then there's a whole um, sort of conservation aspect of it, which is actually very fascinating. Um, But you can um, explore the ship um, on different levels. So I think it's maybe four or five or perhaps, you know, even six stories high. And so you can sort of view the ship from all different sides, um, from right from the bottom of it, um, as well as from the top. And you can really um, imagine sort of what it was like to be on that ship. And they've done lots of really interesting kind of, um, you know, models and and, uh, dioramas about what life was like you know, in the ship and what it might have looked like. And so it's um, it's a really, really unique museum and definitely well 
worth a visit. And, and because it is so uh, visually impressive, um, it is, again, something that very small children can enjoy, as well as um, all ages and, and adults um, as well. Yeah, so. that sounds that sounds like a... I, I had friends that were in Stockholm and they sent me a postcard with mm. a boat on it. And I was just, I mean, even on the postcard, it looked fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so that definitely on the list. Um, I know there's another place here that just for me personally, just because I spend a lot of time in book publishing before starting Nugget. Um, and I am probably going to not say it correctly, but is it? Juni Bucken. Oh yeah, it's a uh, Uni Bucken actually. There we go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> close. Not too bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yes, so that is definitely also um, a really, really good one. Um, this is particularly good for, I would say, younger children. Um, I would say maybe under it's particularly geared for perhaps under 10 years of age um not to say that older kids can't enjoy it but i would say that the overall energy is a little bit geared more towards smaller smaller ones and can um, you um can you describe really quickly yes, what it course. is um, people um, listening are probably like what are they talking about yeah true true we should start from the beginning um Unibachen is um essentially a kids museum which is inspired by the stories and characters of Astrid Lindgren, who is probably Sweden's most famous author, who is best known for the Pippi Longstocking stories, which most people um, are familiar with, I think. So essentially... Yeah, and, hmm? I mean, she's written... I think I mean a lot of books and I think yeah. I read somewhere that she's one of the most translated children's authors actually in the world. Um I mean I, I, I certainly know that growing up as a kid, I think I read almost all of her books and watched a lot of the yeah. movie adaptations as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's um yeah, she's amazing. She's is incredibly prolific. Um, so I, I mean, to say that it's a museum is a little bit misleading because in some ways it's more of a interactive kind of fantasy playland in a way, because, um, it's largely, uh, it, it is indoors. Um, it's one thing to know, but essentially what they've done is they have, um, recreated, uh, different storybook environments um, from not only um, her stories, but actually many, um, uh, many different children's stories, generally um, sort of Scandinavian uh, children's characters and stories. And so, for example, um, when you go in there, they have an entire um, Pippi house, which is basically a, a true to life pippy house that you can go in and 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 it's it's really created exactly the way 
it's drawn in the books or that you've seen in the movies and the kids can go in and you can play and um, it's sort of part of it is a little bit of a, a playground. There's a slide that goes from the roof down to the ground um, and you can actually go in and play in the kitchen and you really pretend you're in Pippi's world. So, um, so they have, you know, that for example, but they have, you know, um, a whole room full of small houses and recreations of all different storybook characters and their little worlds, um, as well as, um, you know, regular theater performances and, um, as well as, uh, what else they have, they have rotating exhibitions. So they do have things that change seasonally. Um, and, you know, they have a really big restaurant, which is incredibly beautifully done and, um, really caters towards kids, of course. Good food or um, just every time? Decent. Yeah, yeah, it's decent for sure. I mean, I think, I think all of, um, all of Stockton museums are sort of try to cater to everyone. So they, yeah, I would say it's actually pretty okay. They have lots of options you know a lot of the kids favorites um pancakes and meatballs and things like that but they've got they've got you know salads and you know soups and uh you know real food as well for the grown-ups so it, it it works and and as far as i mean i i remember reading somewhere on your instagram feed that you recently went and it was incredibly busy mm-hmm. um any advice on when not to come or when yeah. to come and visit? Well, you know, Unibakken is actually, it's always busy, but definitely if you have the opportunity to go on a weekday, that is definitely going to be a bit better than a weekend. Um, okay, that's good to uh, know. But I think because it's indoors, it is probably the kind of place which is quite busy year round. Um yeah, so I think it's not the kind of thing that matters so much in terms of season, but I think that uh, as a rule, if you can go on a weekday, that's optimal. And most likely, if you can get there earlier, sort of, you know, towards the, the start of the day, I think that you maybe have a little bit of a better chance to avoid some crowds because, um, yeah, that that is a bit of a um, heads up of Unibakken is that it can be really intensive in terms of crowds because um, it can be really busy. And when you have a room full of like four-year-olds and, you know, they're, they're noisy and they're, and and a lot of the stuff is stuff that you're, you're, they're climbing and they're, you know, sliding down things and everything is interactive. So all the things that make it incredibly fun for kids make it incredibly intensive for, for the yes. adult. Yes. <laughs> so, so let's yeah. let's put this on the list as um, something to reward your kids with after mm. maybe a day. You know, let's if you did one day of intense sightseeing, you promise him this as a reward the next day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, it's very, it is very much like a sort of amusement park in a way, but it's just, it's, it's kind of a amusement park, which is um, based more on, on literary themes. And, <laughs> but, which is very unusual. I don't yeah, know if yeah. I know of another 
similar example of of something that's entirely inspired by books yeah um, it is it is really incredible and it's it's sort of constructed and designed in an incredibly beautiful way and i think one thing um that i will mention which is not to be missed is the story train which is oh, um, a big feature there and um that's a sort of additional thing that when you buy your entrance ticket, uh, you have to sort of purchase that separately. Um, and I would really recommend that you go for it because um, it's a little bit hard to describe, but essentially they've constructed like this train ride that goes through um, these amazingly beautiful dioramas of all of the Astrid Lindgren um, story worlds. So, and, and it's narrated uh, with music and everything. And so you kind of um, go through, yeah, you, you literally sit in a little um, train car and you listen to uh, the narrator telling these different stories as you as you sort of ride through these dioramas, um, which sounds uh, maybe not super. It sounds fun. a little <laughs> a little cheesy, but um... sounds, yeah, that's what I thought as well. Which is why um, which is why I want to sort of emphasize that. Um, on paper, it sounds like it could be, again, like really contrived in the same way that, you know, a sort of open air museum is often really cheesy. But this is like just the way that they've constructed it is like incredibly beautiful. And the actual train itself, it's sort of, um, it kind of goes uh, through these worlds. So it is like, a sort of quite immersive experience. So you, you're literally like going up onto rooftops of things and you're going into caves and you're going into houses and out into farmlands. And so it's really, um, yeah, it's really kind of feels uh, like you're actually flying through different worlds. And I think the key thing is that the, the way that they've designed this whole experience is very, very sophisticated. So it becomes a quite magical experience. Um, and even for adults, I mean, I, I've done it actually many times and I'm still kind of amazed every time we we go on the story train. Yeah. So. <laughs> you sell it, me because I mean, yeah. we, we actually, I don't, like, I know, I know you, I know you're, you know, a designer, you're very visual, you're very, drawn into design and aesthetics so <laughs> i i believe you um yeah. so do the story train pay do the story the train. ticket for the story train it's worth it okay yeah. yeah um and and do you know i i read somewhere that the they also have like which is supposed to be the largest children's bookstore in sweden do they have other language books in that store do you happen to know yes, or is it? They do. Yeah, they definitely have English books and I'm quite certain they do have actually different languages um, for sure. I'm, I'm almost fantastic. Positive. I've seen German books and French books and yeah. So the, um, yeah, the gift store is actually really, really great. Not, I would never actually ever push a gift store on somebody, but again, because it's books, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, where, exactly. that's where I make an exception. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good. Okay. I feel like we got, we got already a lot for kids going here. Um, mm -hmm. Do we want to maybe move somewhere else in town? Like something that you feel like 
is like something parents will really want to see or any adult would really want to experience. And then we'll talk about how sure. do you do it with kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess um, one more place which I um, personally really love, which is also on Eurogordon, the same island, is a place called Rosendals, which is... Um, I guess they call themselves a biodynamic garden and greenhouse. Oh, yes. Yes. We have an itinerary. We have a nugget itinerary for that we one. Do. Yes. yes. It's, it's on the site. But I always uh, recommend it because this one is probably definitely geared more towards the adults and definitely um, towards those parents who are maybe particularly interested in um, sort of locally produced, more organic uh, sort of restaurants and cafes, or interested in um, sort of botanical gardens and uh, flowers and those types of environments, which I, I personally love. Um, but it's, uh, they have a, it's just a really lovely sort of greenhouse cafe, which is a great spot for lunch or, um, or Swedish fika, which is sort of, uh, you know, the Swedish kind of afternoon tea equivalent, um, which, is a, which is a really big thing. Um, so they have lots of pastries as well as kind of lunch foods. But it's, it's just a very beautiful space where you're sort of surrounded by lovely flowers and plants. Um, more for locals often go there to actually buy flowers and, um, you know, gardening supplies. But it's equally beautiful just to visit and have lunch there. Um, and they have in the summer, they have a huge field where, you know, you can go and pick your own flowers, which is always fun. And, um, the surrounding areas is, uh, you know, these big apple orchards where you can actually bring your own picnic and just have a really easygoing day. And I think there is actually a small playground nearby. So it's, it's kind of a nice thing to do. Maybe if you're on your garden and maybe if you're, if you've gone to a museum there and then you want to go and have uh, have lunch or have a coffee somewhere, it's it's a nice place to maybe go up for like an hour or two, uh, maybe sit outside and just enjoy some really lovely surroundings. Sounds like the perfect, energy-wise, the perfect counterpart to yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what we to children's exactly. museum exactly. So it's a uh, it's a good it's a good balance. Um, Perfect. Again, it it can get on you know on a really uh, warm sunny day in the summer, it can get quite busy as well. So it's also another one of these places that you know if you're um, visiting on a weekday, it's definitely um, going to be less crowded and yeah earlier rather than later that type of thing. So got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, where to next? Do you want to um, talk about um, Old Town a little bit? Or do you want to talk about um, yes. what was the neighborhood you mentioned that's the creative, trendy? Yeah, I think both of those are worth a mention. I mean, Old Town is, um, it's, I think it's definitely worth uh, spending a little bit of time. I think it depends on um, interests, but it's, of course, really beautiful architecture. There's no doubt about it. It's, um, I think, particularly um, for me as a North American, uh, you know, originally, you know, I think um, old, uh, old world uh, city uh, cityscapes are 
always really appealing because they're so quaint and they're so charming and um, the buildings are so lovely. And so it's, it's really, it's definitely worth um, at least spending a little bit of time in the old town. Um, it's uh, really easy to go there and have an ice cream. There's literally ice cream on every corner as there often are. Um, but no doubt it, it is definitely the tourist center. So yeah, that's, um, that's, I feel like, yeah, sadly, that's like the thing with all those historic town centers is on one hand, they're beautiful and it's incredible architecture and history, but it's also the place that's always just overrun with people yeah, and yeah. Especially tourist stores. And- yeah, yeah. But I think the thing with Gamlestan is that it's often that if you kind of just take a little bit of time to wander off the main tourist drags, you will find these really beautiful, small, quiet streets and alleyways which are really lovely to stroll around. And um, surprisingly, there are always, you know, these small side streets, which no one seems to bother to, to get to. So, so I think that if you, um, if you have the time, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely worth exploring a little bit. And if you're going to do it, definitely, you know, get off the main tourist streets and you will, um, discover some really lovely little corners but I think it's it's not a an island where you need to spend like a lot of time it's often I think enough just to actually wander through it just to get a sense of the flavor you know grab an ice cream and yeah and that's um uh yeah that's that's is there is there a particular ice cream place that um I think there I mean, there are several good ones, but unfortunately, I don't remember them by name. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. I, it's, it's not, um, as you can imagine, it's not really where we're sort of hanging out on a regular basis. So. No, it, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, Gamlastan, you know, spend yeah. a few hours just wandering around, getting a flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where, what else do you think is like on the must do list? Or do you like, I mean, I, the, just from your itineraries that you've shared with the Naga community, I can think of, I mean, there's, um, I'm again, pronouncing the, is it Sundermom? Yes, Sundermom. There's, yes, there's that. that. And then there is the, um, the palace, the mm-hmm. UNESCO heritage side, which is not like in town, but it's. Um, oh, um, Drottningholm. Is that yes. The one? Yes. Is that is that something that you feel like people coming to Stockholm should definitely do? Is it something if you have more time, it's I, something else? I think it's a question of interest, actually, um, because okay. I think it, I think it is definitely um, worthwhile to to see if you um, if you are interested in kind of seeing a palace. Um, I would definitely say it's much more interesting than than the royal palace which is in uh the city center um because there is a palace there as well which is um yeah i I don't think it's i wouldn't put that one at the top of my list but i think that if um one was interested in going to see a little bit of a historical palace then i think drottingholm is a is a good choice I, i think one nice way to do it um if you have the time um, and if you're visiting in the summer, is that you can actually take a boat out there, which kind of goes through the archipelago. And it takes a bit of time, but it's really nice to actually, 
do some kind of boat journey. And that's one thing that you can do is you can um, take a little steamship that goes to Drottningholm. And then when you're there, um, you know, it, it is as most palaces, you can choose to do tours or you can just choose to go on your own. Um, but it is very beautiful grounds for sure. So um, okay. again, a place where you can, you know, take a picnic or, but, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a nice day trip. I think particularly if um, I would say particularly in the summer and if the weather is good and combined with a little boat trip, I think it's, um, it could be really, really nice for sure. All right. So, sounds mm -hmm. like exactly for the families that they're that into history that want to see those kind of, um, you know, get a different angle on, on the history of, of Sweden and, you know, a little glimpse into the royal, royal life um, of the 17th century. That sounds, um, mm. and for the ones that may want to, I don't know, like you mentioned the, um, the hipster, the hipster part of town that yeah. is at the same time still family friendly. So maybe mm -hmm. we, you want to spend a little bit of time there and just give yeah. people a sense of what can they experience there. Again, I think we have an itinerary that covers sort of, it does actually include an ice cream shop. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to look it up right now. And um, so what, how do you think people should get a flavor for that neighborhood? Is it spending a day just wandering around or are there specific places that they should um, go to? Yeah, I think that there's um, in particular sort of, um, Södermalm, it, it's a fairly big island. And I think there's kind of two um, different neighborhoods that, um, that one can explore. I would say... One of the main ones is, um, the, the, I, I kind of cringe when I say this, but it's been dubbed SOFO, <laughs> which is so I, typical in every city. I saw that. <laughs> every city like always has to have like their New York kind of equivalent. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, it is called that because it's sort of the neighborhood which is south of Folkungagatan, which is uh, sort of a major street. And I would say that is kind of a sort of, yeah, quite trendy sort of hipster area where you will find a lot of nice shops um, in, uh, you, you'll find, for example, all the, you know, Swedish fashion designers, um, lots of interior design shops with housewares and um, many, many cafes and restaurants, uh, lots of different parks. Um, so I think it's it's really nice to I think spend um, spend at least half a day or it could easily be a full day, and I think as I sort of outlined I think in my itinerary it's a place where you could sort of mix it up where you know for the adults you can do a little shopping and for the kids there are really actually a lot of different playgrounds all nearby so you could sort of alternate you know do some shops go to the playground or maybe sort of you know um swap where one parent can take the kids you know to a playground while the other can you know do a little souvenir shopping or look at some uh, some some nice uh designer boutiques uh for yourself you know if you yeah. like so. Yeah, and, and we'll link we'll link to the itinerary in the show notes because um yeah. it, it it includes exactly a combination of what you just mm -hmm. suggest some nice yeah. stores um mm -hmm. an ice cream place playgrounds um so it sounds like like a perfect place to wander around for a day just soak in the 
to local life and and do a little bit yeah shopping for yourself a little bit of kids can just play i mean let's let's since we mentioned the playgrounds like is it fair to assume that there's like almost a playground like every corner is that it sounds like it a little bit um i mean maybe not every corner but really i would say that um there are playgrounds literally no more than a five to 10 minute walk between each. So there are a lot of playgrounds in the area for sure. And is there um, just not just necessarily in this neighborhood, but just Stockholm overall, is there anyone particularly that you feel like would actually make almost like a destination, like something that you feel like you should go to um, just because it's, it's so unique. And again, it's, it's a treat that you can give your kids after, you spend some time at the modern art museum or like you spend some time shopping and you're like, okay, now we're going to go to this incredible playground that, you know, something you've never seen before. Yeah. Well, I think there are, um, there are two that I can think of. One of them I think is included in the Södermalm itinerary, which is literally right in the middle of, um, of this sort of SOFO district and it's called Brygge Teffan. And yeah, yeah. Um, the reason why that one is unique is that it is kind of a reconstruction of like, um, uh, I'm not sure, I, I think maybe 17th or 18th century Södermalm. So in a way, it's a little bit like a mini Skansen, but turned into a inner city playground. Um, that so, awesome. yeah. so it's just... Um, you know, little houses and there's like a tiny blacksmith shop. And um, again, all of these are, you know, things that you can crawl into and you can slide out of. And um, there's also a really lovely little um, cafe that's opened in the spring and summer months where you can actually, you know, buy ice cream in the playground and have a snack or drinks as well. So that one is, um, it's really nice and it's quite unique because I think it's, uh, it, they've literally taken um, the, the buildings of how Södermalm would have looked, you know, a few hundred years ago and they've kind of recreated that into a playground. So um, it feels really Swedish, I think, in a way. So That's great. that one I think is, is really um, fun. And, and then the I... One? I think the other one is slightly out of the center of town, but relatively easy to access on the subway. It's maybe like a 10-minute subway ride sort of out of the city center. And that one is called, um, it's called the Owl Park, or in Swedish, Uggleparken. And that one is really fantastic because it's... Um, it's this fully um, wooden playground. So all the structures are made out of wood and they're constructed after giant animals. So the key feature are these massive um, wooden owls, which are, you know, there's multi-story slides that come out of it. Uh, so it's this towering like king owl. And then there are like other structures. I think there's like... Um, massive beetles that you can crawl into and there's like a wooden um daisy field that is literally that um uh i think it's i don't know how high it is but i mean you literally have to like climb up them they're they're um 
for an adult, you'd have to actually even <laughs> climb up to get to the top of them. So they're, um, it's a really fantastical, uh, really incredibly creative play space, which um, I had definitely not seen anything like it before. Um, and I, I believe it's designed by um, a Danish um, playground architect. Um, they specialize in, in designing really creative play spaces. Um, so I think they have several all over Scandinavia, but I think also um, internationally as well. Um, oh, awesome. So that one is really, um, really, really fun and very unique. Um, but uh, yeah, and 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 it's quite, and you said it's it, it's a little so it's it's like a ten minute subway ride. Um, is there anything else you can combine it with that might appeal to a parent? Is there, um, or is um, it something? Well, it's it isn't quite in um, it's in a residential neighborhood, so there isn't actually that much right around there. I, I think actually, come to think of it, there are some swimming spots that are quite near there, um, but it's a bit tricky to sort of describe sort of off the cuff. But I know that. Um, What we have done is combine it sometimes with a round of mini golf. There is a mini golf place, a quite good one, which is right next door to the playground. So that could be something um, okay. as a combination. But um, yeah, but even as sort of a standalone trip, it's, it's actually not too far off the beaten path. So, I mean, literally from the city center, I think it's, a 10 or maximum 15 minute subway ride away. So Got it. it could easily be like a, a morning combined with something in town. Okay. Yeah. So um, any, anything else that you feel like on the must list? Because I know we've, we've talked about a lot of different things and I feel like mm -hmm. um, there's, there's been something for, for everyone, whether you, you're into history, whether you're into food, whether you're into design, um, there's something for little kids, old kids. Um, Anything else that, that comes to mind that you feel like definitely do not miss this? Um, well, I think that um, I would say that it would be really worthwhile to have some kind of um, boating experience, I think, because so much of Stockholm, as we spoke about before, is about um, the fact that you are on these collection of on this collection of islands and you're surrounded by water. And I think um, the kind of feeling of being in the Stockholm archipelago is really special. And um, I think that that is really um, a quite key experience. And I think there's a number of ways that you can do this. Um, I think that there are lots of sort of, for example, an easy thing would be to do one of these, um, you know, Stockholm city tours by, on the water, which I haven't done personally, but I've heard other people, um, locals actually say, can be a really nice way to see the city. Um, but another thing is that there are a, a number of boats that go um, every day from, from Stockholm city center out to different islands. So it, it depends a little bit on how much time you have and how much ambition you have, but, and also the weather conditions. But um, I mean, there are some islands that you can get to, which are really easy, you know, day trips or even half a day trip. Like one of the closest islands is called Vaxholm, which you can easily, 
go there and back, you know, go there, have lunch and come back, you know, and it give, really gives you a sense of um, sort of the Swedish archipelago. Um, and I think another experience, which I really like, um, but is more geared potentially for families who are interested in art or modern art in particular, is to go out to a museum called Artipelag, which is um, fairly recently built contemporary art center, which is um, out in the archipelago, probably, um, I would say by car or bus, it's about half an hour. But in the summer months, it's also possible to take a boat there, which is a really nice way to do it, um, where you can take a boat ride through the archipelago and then um, spend the day and have lunch and see some art at this really beautiful art center, which is as much about the outdoor space as it is about the indoor space. So it's really amazing architecture, but there's nature walks uh, that are right on the waterfront and they've got a super nice restaurant um, and often really interesting exhibitions. And then you can easily, um, they sort of run buses directly to and from the museum um, into the center of town, I think on a regular basis. So a nice way to do it is to maybe take the boat out there, spend the day and then maybe take the bus back. Um, but sounds that's another thing that, um, yeah, I really like to recommend, particularly for people who are more interested in, in art or, or design, I would say. But it's there, very- I mean, on that note, I mean, there are a number, and I'm just being mindful of time, I mean, there, there's a number of mm-hmm. fantastic museums that, you know, that Stockholm has, both on the art side, but I'm also thinking, like, I think the technology, technology museum is probably something yes. like if, yeah. if you're into those things um they have a lot of very hands-on exhibits yeah. that will appeal to both grown-ups who are into this but also kids who mm-hmm. you know are curious about it yeah um, basically there's endless um museums for all interests and basically all of them cater really well for kids so um yeah there's technology museum there's natural history museum and um, yeah, so there's there's something for all interests, um, basically. Great. And you mentioned earlier um, swimming and swimming spots. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something, because that I hadn't even thought about it, but the fact that there is all this water, it's probably cold, but um, is that something that the locals do? Do they go and are there yes. beaches? Or? There are. I mean, yeah, that's one of the things that locals, I would say, enjoy the most especially in the summertime um, and I think the beauty of Stockholm is that the water is actually clean enough that at certain places in the city you can actually um, go swimming in in the city center I wouldn't say really? where like I wouldn't say just something <laughs> like no because there are definitely places where you don't want to do that but um, for example on Södermalm there are um a few, a few different places which are really popular in the summer, and that's that's a definitely something that we do um, a lot of when when the weather is good, of course. Okay. Um, so it, it, there are um, really easily accessible swimming spots um, for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, maybe you can send them to me after, and we'll put them in yeah, the show notes. Sure. So for the ones that sure. have a little bit more time and mm-hmm. happen to be there when it's actually warm enough, um, exactly. I want to give it a try. 
Um, let's, let's, I mean, I feel like we've, we've gotten, we've given people a really good overview of the city and the things to do. Um, let's just talk a little bit logistics. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, it's a super easy city to get around. Um, anything else that we haven't touched on that you feel like parents should know as far as navigating? I mean, you mentioned the weather, so definitely dress appropriately. Um, um, especially if you're in the parts of town where, you, where you're going to be outside a lot. But but anything else um, as far as navigating with kids and think all ages, I mean, from the parents that are still dealing with the stroller to parents who have tweens, um, would any anything else that they should keep in mind? Um, well, I think in terms of getting around, um, as uh, we spoke about earlier, it's definitely super conducive to um, traveling around, especially with strollers. So for example, basically all public spaces are equipped with ramps wherever there are stairs, um, you know, so, so, so it's very easy um, to get in and out of the subway, for example. For buses, if you have a stroller, um, parents with strollers can actually ride the bus for free. You can no. actually just, yeah, so uh, you can actually just get on um, the bus uh, in the back entrance, and um, and that's totally fine. You're not expected to pay, and I think it's wow. partially because it's logistically simpler because it's it's harder to get on the front of the bus with a stroller and pay. So they just <laughs> let you get on the back, and you just get on there with a stroller, and it's totally fine so now now I understand why you have left since you've moved there I mean they're they're so exactly and and even if you're a tourist you can still ride the bus for free with your stroller so that's totally good so that's um that's the reason why I think um you know there's absolutely no need to rent a car for example when you're visiting Stockholm Perhaps only if you feel that you're going to be doing any sort of side trips out of the city, then then it can come in handy. But for navigating the city center, it's definitely much more convenient just to use public transit. Um, buses and subways run all over the city, and they're super easy to get to use with with strollers, for example. You can buy these cards actually. Um, in most um, uh, many convenience stores, actually, and you can load them up at machines, which are either at bus stops or they're down in the subway stations, or actually in the con- many convenience stores, you can actually load them with more tickets. Um, Great. So it's uh, yeah, it's and, quite. Simple. And if you have older kids, um, is biking something? Is that popular in the city? Yeah, it is actually. For older kids, biking is a really great way to get around um, the city. It's a very bike-friendly city, so there are quite good bike lanes all over. And they now have, you know, increasingly um, these sort of rental bikes that you can pick up on the street. Um, I'm not sure exactly how you access them. I think that you have to somehow... um, register yourself online or something Uh, I think there's usually a way to do it but um, but there are many um, bike rental options um, and quite a lot of these these um, drop-off bikes which are parked you know on sidewalks all over the place and um, we talked a little bit about the weather earlier Um, what 
do you think is like the best time to go and visit Stockholm and why? I think, um, I think that the summer is usually the most popular in terms of having the best chances that the weather is going to be good. And I think, um, when the weather is warm, uh, it's obviously easier to explore on foot and, um, and that's the most pleasant. So, um, I definitely think that the summer is a good option, but, um, at the same time, you know, it is busier, it is more crowded. Um, so I think that September is a great option if, um, you're able to get away at that time of year, because usually it is still warm. Um, and lots of, um, you know, lots of boat options are still open. And I think things are still running on a summer schedule, but it tends to be less crowded. So I think that either like late spring or early fall can be really, really good as well. And that being said, I mean, winter is also, um, can be really lovely um, if you come around Christmas, um, because there is such a strong uh, Christmas tradition here um it's really magical and it's really um there's lots of happenings and just the lights and the concerts and the christmas markets is is a totally different experience but also um can be very very nice as well yeah that sounds super inviting um and um on that note i mean if you come and visit in the colder month um what what do you think is like a good strategy with kids? Like, is it to maximize your outdoor time and then find a place that that you can go to when it gets dark? Because it gets dark really early in the in the winter. It does, yes. Um, well, you know, I think that um, in some ways you sort of just have to kind of embrace the darkness because um, the the good thing about the dark months is that um, the city has a lot of light. Um, there's a lot of candlelight everywhere. You know, all the cafes you'll go to will be really cozy. So there is this really incredibly cozy atmosphere that happens in the dark months. Um, but yeah, in terms of outdoor activities, it's definitely you have a little you have less kind of outdoor daylight hours. So I think the best strategy there would be to, you know, do outdoor activities um, in the morning and, and then maybe um, afternoon is a good time to maybe do museums or, you know, take breaks and cafes and things like that. And maybe you want to um, have some warm up time as well. <laughs> and, and a lot of and a lot of the cafes, I mean, from what I've heard from people who have been again, are family friendly. There are places that even have little play areas or is that true or? For cafes? Um, yeah. Or. Yeah, I think some do. I would say it's not um, definitely not universally okay. uh, sort of uh, to be found. I, I think I, I think a few of them, a few cafes do cater more towards kids in that sense. Um, but I think maybe due to space constraints right. um, many cafes right. sort of don't really have you know designated children's areas but that being said i would say that they're all very welcoming for children and you know I, um, most cafes and most restaurants i would say um, 
there's no problem to to be there with kids and many of them do have high chairs and things like that um got it it easier and speaking of food because we haven't really and i know food is you 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 really appreciate good food and love to cook and um we haven't even talked about it at all so really quickly for what are the 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 typical things that you feel like you should give a try like and if there's a specific restaurant or cafe that comes to mind you can mention it as well and we'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes Um, yeah, well, I, I think the, the Swedish meatballs is, you know, a definite <laughs> for for both adults if, and if you, kids. If you eat meat, right? Like if you're a vegetarian and then, then... Exactly. Um, if you eat meat, then that's, you know, that's definitely something that's worth trying. And I think that's a really easy thing with kids. And I, I would say that, um, you know, in most... Um, for example, where there are kids' menus, like, for example, in museum restaurants and things, meatballs you will always find. And for, for all local children, that's like a, a go-to meal for all that's kids. That's the equivalent of, like, chicken nuggets, I guess. Basically, basically, yes. It's, it's, the, it's all about the meatballs for the kids. Um, for kids as well, I think it's also really common um, for kids to eat pancakes as a meal. Um, so um, pancakes are eaten with cream and strawberry jam um, quite often in combination with pea soup, which, which I thought was really strange when I first came here. Yes. But often, like again, on kids' menus, you'll find not necessarily the pea soup, but the pancakes. And that is a totally acceptable meal for children here. So, pan- so even pancakes. for lunch and dinner? Yes, it, okay. it actually is. So, um, yeah, so those are those are super easy ones for the kids. And as you mentioned, the cinnamon buns and cardamom buns, um, you know, those are ubiquitous. You will find them everywhere. And they're definitely um, something that that everyone should try and will enjoy um, for adults. Um, you know, if you go to a more traditional restaurant, you'll always find some options with um pickled herring, which is um, really a really classic traditional Swedish food. So it's, um, if you eat fish, I think that's definitely worth a try. Um, There's also a dish called toast skagen, which is like kind of a creamy shrimp salad on like buttered toast, which is Mm. often like an appetizer. And uh, that is really also worth trying if you eat shellfish. <laughs> um, right. So a, a lot of the really classic Swedish things either are, you know, in the seafood world or they're like, you know, meat. Um, but that being said, there are there's lots of um, there are vegetarian options for sure. Um, one other sort of traditional classic is um, like a a type of cheese pie made from a type of cheese from a place called Vesterbotten, which is in the north of Sweden. And um, that can often be found in, you know, um, in, in Swedish restaurants as well. And that's good for vegetarians. If you eat cheese. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you don't, well, you're on your own then. <laughs> and if you... <laughs> If you um, if you are renting a vacation place, um, like if you're not staying in a hotel and and you're, um, grocery stores is that easy accessible? Super um, easy, yeah. I, I know that Airbnb is, 
um, really popular. And I think it's a really great way for families to stay in Stockholm because um, it makes things a little bit easier. And, um, you know, Stockholm is, is it's a pricey city for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's actually a great segue. Cause I mean, mm. I, as a child, I spent a lot of time in Denmark. Um, and I, I always remember my parents bringing a lot of food with them because mm-hmm. it was so expensive to, to buy almost anything. Um, and I'm assuming it's the same in, in Sweden as well. So any, any tips for parents, how to, you know, save some money, how to make it the whole visit a little more budget friendly? Yeah, well, I yeah, I think that, um, you know, maybe the, the first thing would be to maybe consider doing an Airbnb or something similar um, to sort of avoid sort of um, the hotels, which I think are generally quite expensive in Stockholm. And then you mentioned grocery stores and um, they are really easily accessible. There's many grocery stores and those are, I think you will find something literally on every every corner. Um, and even attached to many subway stations, there are grocery stores. So I think for self-catering, that's a really good way to go is to be able to, you know, um, buy your own um, own groceries and, and mix up cooking with restaurant meals um, right. to make things a little easier. Yeah. And do, do museums, I mean, I think the bus, the fact that you, if you have a stroller, you can ride the bus for free. I already love that one. Um, do museums similar to other, you know, big cities in the world have specific days where they might be free or are there any museums that um, mm-hmm. are donation based? Like I know there's a number of them. I mean, even the Met in New York, um, you can go yeah. and um, don't have to pull, pay the entire suggested donation if, if, if you just can't afford it um, um, actually museums are free in stockholm oh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> i'm glad least, we brought that up yeah, yes um actually all sort of publicly owned museums are free um Amazing. usually it doesn't, it doesn't include like special exhibitions of course but general access to um most museums are are free so that makes it super Easy of course. I mean, if, yeah, then that, that takes out a huge chunk because mm-hmm. I remember having this conversation with one of the Nugget contributors who has five children and she said, she'd always laugh when somebody say, oh, it's only $10 because she's like, well, that's $70 for my family. Um, yeah. So that's, that's incredible. And does that include Skansen as well? Or no. would that be that that you pay extra? Okay, yeah. but that's that's still unfortunately Skansen is not included in that, and Unibacken, which we talked about earlier, is right. also not included. Um, but for example, you know the um, Modern Art Museum, um, the National Museum, the Nordic Museum, and so uh, I, but also the Natural History Museum. Those are all um, free. Amazing. And and I think one other small tip is I think that there are, you know, I think there's something called the Stockholm Pass, which you can buy online, which I think many cities have equivalents where you can get discounts on multiple attractions. um, And even things like some of these, um, you know, buses or various tours. So I think that you can get discounts if you... um, Right. You yeah. buy one of these kind of multiple attraction passes. Yeah, I find they never work for my family because we just we don't 
just check off things off the list. We, I yeah. think we, we just linger too long at places. And so we yeah. never look at enough places to make it worthwhile. Yeah. But if you, yeah, definitely something, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, so the only, the last question I guess I have is, because um, since you mentioned Airbnbs and hotels, um, any specific area that you feel like is, is a good place to make your home base um, while you're staying in Stockholm? And, and how many days do you suggest, like, at a minimum and if you have more time? Um... Well, I think um, I might be slightly biased because I live here, but um, I think a, the best home base for families would probably be Södermalm because um, it is very central because it's very easy to access, you know, everything in the center of town and all the destinations that we spoke about um, but is more residential um, so there's less traffic it's more low-key you don't have the, these sort of you know big shopping streets and things like that so there's um, more like little cafes and lots of parks and so it's I think it has much more of a neighborhood feel which makes it more conducive to traveling families so um, so I would recommend particularly if anyone was was going to try to rent um, an, a flat from Airbnb, that um, Södermalm, I think, would be a really good choice because it has the combination of being really central but more relaxed and, right. and uh, low-key. That sounds, that sounds perfect. And, and as far as time, what do, you, what do you think is like a minimum amount that you suggest and... Um, and how much time do you think somebody could easily spend without getting bored if they are more like a slow traveler that want to linger and just, um, you know, yeah. embrace, embrace where they are? I think that as a minimum, I would say like maybe a long weekend. Um, so I would say, you know, you could get quite a lot out of three, three to four days, I would say. Um, right. like busy three to four probably, days. yeah it would be quite busy but I, I think you could do a lot but it's it's possible um I think a week is better um because it would give you more time to sort of explore and, and to take it a bit more easy got it okay I I feel I mean I know we could keep talking about the city um because it sounds like a magical place um and a wonderful place not only to raise raise your daughter but also to um, visit. Um, so thank you so much, Emily, for, for being on the show and sharing all your nuggets of advice um, with our audience. Um, and we'll make sure we'll put some links in the show notes where people can follow you on Instagram and and see, you know, what other fun things you do in Stockholm that we haven't talked about. Um, and also the other amazing places you travel to, because I know you guys um, are not only exploring Stockholm, but you're also exploring a lot of other unique places around the globe so it's always fun to watch um, so thank you for having you great thanks for having me thanks so much emily for all your great tips stockholm really is an incredibly child-friendly city and sounds like an amazing place to live and visit i can't wait to experience it with my kids especially seeing the salvage viking ship and going on a boat ride through the stockholm archipelago and of course, eating pancakes for lunch and dinner. I really hope we inspired you to visit Sweden's capital as a family. 
And if you're planning a trip to Stockholm, hopefully we've answered some of your questions and got you even more excited for your adventure. If you know anyone who might find this episode helpful, hit pause now and click the share icon. Also, if you're thinking about a trip to a destination that you'd like us to feature, let us know. You can email us at podcast at nugget.travel or send us a note through our website at www.nugget.travel slash podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a Go With Nugget adventure. Thanks for listening. Until next time.